Hello, everybody, and welcome to Level the Field Leadership. Today, we are going to be talking about intelligence. So there are four questions that I want to ask you today. Normally, I have three for you, but today we have four. So let's dive into those a little bit to give you something to think about before we start. Number one, how smart do you think you are? Number two, how smart are you really? Number three, did you know that there are different types of intelligence? And number four, where do you think your intellectual abilities flourish the most? So we'll talk about a little bit more information regarding intelligence on this episode of Level the Field Leadership. Stick around. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Level the Field Leadership. My name is Dr. Rachel Gallardo, and I, as always, am very excited to be talking about our topic today, and I'm so thankful that you've decided to give me your ears, give me your number of heartbeats to just listen to what our topic is for today. I truly believe that, um, you know, great leaders, we all encounter different issues that go on in the work environment, and my hope is that you have the tools in your tool belt that you can use when those issues come up so you can address them and you can be an effective leader for your team and for your customers and things of that nature. I also believe that workplace burnout is very real. And so anything that we as leaders can do to reduce burnout and fatigue in our leadership roles will ultimately have a positive impact on our team. And so I try to post new episodes on the second and the fourth Tuesday of the month. So that way it's kind of staggered throughout the month and you can use this information as you need it. Um, if this is not your first episode, then you must enjoy the content. So be sure to subscribe and comment. Um, your comments get the words out to others, you know, share it with other people. Leadership really and truly is a journey. We don't have to do it alone. Oftentimes it can be really easy for us to feel isolated. And that's just simply not what we should be doing as leaders. So um, feel free to reach out to others and to, to share the information. And for those of you that are new, I do like to base each topic off of scripture that has either really been speaking to me or really stood out for whatever reason for various things going on in my own leadership journey. And so today's scripture is surrounding Proverbs eighteen fifteen, an intelligent heart acquires knowledge and the ear of the wise seeks knowledge. Okay, so let's dive into intelligence. Um, before we can really dive into it, though, we need to define it. So whenever I say intelligence, um, the, the, the IQ, I'm sure you guys have heard that numerous times over. It actually stands for intelligence quotient. So I'm going to say intelligence, IQ, those words kind of interchangeably. But basically, when we talk about intelligence, it's one's ability to learn. So it's not how much you currently know. It's not how smart you are. It's not how many pieces of paper you have. It's not how many times you made honor roll. Like none of that has to do with intelligence per se. Intelligence is one's ability to understand complex ideas, to adapt to the environment, to learn from experience, to engage in some sort of reasoning, and to basically overcome obstacles when they are encountered. So again, notice this has got nothing to do with what college you went to and what your fancy job title is. None of that is, is relevant. And too often, the idea of intelligence is associated with a degree, a job title, or a certain salary, or a certain office. And while there are some correlations to intelligence when we look at these things, um, this is not the only thing that we as leaders should be looking at when we're talking about intelligence. So for my math people, correlation does not imply causation. And this is never more true than when we talk about the intelligence of an individual or the intelligence of a leader. Okay, so now that I've kind of laid that that foundation for us, I want for us to take a look at the different types of intelligence 
and how we might see these different types play out in the work environment. So I want for you to think about your particular skills. I want for you to think about your particular abilities. And I want for you to think about the skills and abilities of your team members. So where do you see the strengths of each type of intelligence um, and each person on your team? And this might be an episode where you may have to pause me a couple of times. So I might say something you're like, hmm, you know what I mean? I need a minute to kind of let that marinate just a little bit before I dive back in. You're not going to offend me. I'm not going to know. But, you know, use this again, use this as a tool if you need to kind of stop and start to to let the information marinate for just a little bit before you continue on totally fine to do. So first and foremost, we have general intelligence. And so general intelligence came about by a man named Charles Spearman. And basically general intelligence is a single measure of a person's ability that predicts, sometimes accurately, sometimes not, the person's overall intellectual performance. So these are basic IQ tests that we have seen before. You know, here's a certain pattern. What's going to be the next pattern? Here's a certain set of numbers. What's going to be the next numbers? Um, The person might be really good at playing an instrument, but maybe not necessarily good at learning a new language. So this is just kind of general intelligence that somebody has. Um, In the work environment, this could translate to, you know, the individual may be really, really good with computers, but this is not the person that you want to lean on when it comes to accounting and finance and balance sheets and things like that. So, you know, really, really great with computers. This is your IT go-to. This person just seems to get computers in a way that nobody else does, but you hand them a balance sheet and they are just lost, okay? Um, The only problem though is that if you are assessing yourself, your team, potential candidates to join your team in just one area, you might be missing out on other areas that they're really, really great in, okay? Human beings, we are complex. We've got a lot of layers. We've got a lot of baggage. We've got a lot of emotions. We've got a lot of opinions, perspectives, et cetera, et cetera. And we might be terrible at interviews because of social anxiety, but when we're in the working environment, we could very well flourish. We could have terrible interpersonal skills, But, you know, when it comes to being creative for the next marketing campaign to try to hopefully turn the organization around from a financial standpoint, you know, we might be able to get lost in our creativity and therefore produce results that will ultimately help the company overall. So we need to just be really careful about pigeonholing people into a certain area. And sometimes we do that because of our own bias, our own assumptions that we make about somebody. So going back to the whole IT versus accounting perspective, I might assume, okay, this person is really good at computers, but, you know, there's, I don't really know if they're going to be really good at, at interviewing, you know, maybe I should not have them join us on this particular interview when in actuality, that should be the person that joins, because if you're really good at computers, then you've got an analytical ability. You have an ability to see things from a very different perspective than other people that might be on that, that hiring committee. And so including those individuals in can give a unique perspective, which is why we should, we should look at how people can be used in other ways. Okay. So general intelligence, that's one aspect of intelligence. Another area of intelligence or a theory of intelligence to consider is what's known as fluid intelligence. So fluid intelligence was developed by Raymond Cattell. And he defined fluid intelligence as the ability to perceive relationships independent of previous specific practice or instruction concerning those relationships. 
and I pulled this information from a very well-mined article. So I'm not, I'm, I'm not giving myself credit for this at all. I don't have this memorized. This is me doing my research and sharing the information with you. So what does that very complicated definition mean? It means that the person is able to think through situations with reasoning and good critical thinking abilities. Um, they're able to solve problems in a very abstract manner, regardless of their learning, their experience, or their education. So in the work environment, this is when you ask your team to come up with problem-solving strategies. And, you know, Jim always seems to be the one that has viable solutions for the problem. You know, Jim is always the one that can think outside of the box. They have these really amazing suggestions for how the team can do something better or how the organization can move forward in the right direction strategically. Um, if you give them a, some sort of a SWOT analysis, and by SWOT, I mean strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, they're just really valuable for the team and the organization because they see things um, in a unique perspective that that uses good critical thinking, and they can just kind of insert themselves into the situation and then really see things from a 360 perspective on what's going to occur. Now, I will say that this intelligence does tend to peak in our young adulthood, and little by little, it starts to decline. On average, not a guarantee. Again, human beings, we are complex, but statistically speaking, our fluid intelligence is going to peak in young adulthood. Um, you can continue to grow this type of intelligence. You just have to practice it. And so having intelligence in this area, being able to think, you know, abstractly about things and using good critical thinking and good, you know, um, just reasoning skills, um, you just have to make a conscious decision that you're going to practice those things. And there's numerous tools out there that can help you sort of do those things and, and keep your mind sharp in that particular area. Now, the the counterpart to this, so I like to say one is, you know, the yin and one is the yang, is crystallized intelligence. So we've got fluid intelligence that is more very independent, specific practice from anything else that's happened. Like we're just, we're intelligent in this area because we have good critical thinking abilities. Whereas crystallized intelligence, this intelligence comes because the person has knowledge and facts because they have experience in this area. They have walked this road before. They can anticipate what issues are going to happen. They know what it is that the team is going to need while they're on the journey. And so this is really valuable information for people that don't have the experience. So your fluid intelligence person, they could have a lot of different ideas about it, but you're somebody with crystallized intelligence has actually been there, done that, right? So people who have worked for an organization for a really long time have such valuable crystallized intelligence about the organization. Tell you right now, if you have people on your team that were there before you were, the information that you can get from them is truly, truly valuable because they can tell you the history around what the organization did in the past, the decisions that were made, and why we do things the way we do them now because of all of these other things that happened before. They know how things work. They know who to go to for various things whenever needed. And so crystallized intelligence can really just kind of give you a lay of the land and just show you everything about, give you the bigger picture of the organization so that way you can make the right decisions from a leadership standpoint on what to do as you move forward. Um, you know, nurses that have been nurses for a really long time, they've got crystallized intelligence about what works and what doesn't work when it comes to patient care, when it comes to how to approach a patient, whenever it comes to, you know, a proper documentation or how to deal with so-and-so doctor. Um, teachers, if they have been teaching for a really long time, they have crystallized intelligence on 
you know, classroom management practices and how it is that, um, you know, you're supposed to approach the parent if necessary. And, and how do you talk to the student about study skills? And so that's just, that's just information that comes with time. Um, they've been around the block a time of 20 and this type of intelligence, thankfully, continues throughout adulthood because obviously the longer we live on planet earth, doing the things that we are doing, the more we are going to learn, the more intelligence we have in whatever, whatever issue we're dealing with and whatever experience that we are going through. Okay. So we've, we've talked a little bit about general intelligence, talked about fluid intelligence, talked about crystallized intelligence. Now we're going to get to my favorite, which is emotional intelligence. And like I said, this one's got a lot of things to think about, haha, -ha, because it's intelligence. No, but seriously, if you need to pause, totally understand, you know, take some time to, to kind of gather your thoughts and think about different people on your team, because I want to make sure that you're applying this information properly. Like I said, you got to have the right tool in your tool belt. And if sometimes you need a hammer, but sometimes you need a screwdriver. And so when we're talking about these different aspects of intelligence, you want to make sure that you're applying things appropriately. Okay, so anyways, emotional intelligence. In my opinion, this is the sweet spot when it comes to intelligence. This type of intelligence focuses on how people respond to various situations in their life. How does this person perceive the social and emotional cues someone else is giving? And how does this individual respond in a manner that remains professional, clear, and transparent without completely losing their temper or breaking down? So emotional intelligence are those things that, you know, it, it, I, I don't even know how to phrase this properly, but there are some people that have it. And then there are some people that just don't. Um, I was reading a Forbes magazine article and it actually states that somebody with emotional intelligence is able to manage stress. They can communicate effectively. They know how to deescalate issues. They know how to problem size and they know how to empathize with other people. Um, people with strong emotional intelligence can really read the situation and they can read the person and they can offer up viable, positive solutions to resolve the situation and prevent further problems. These are the people that really know how to cool things down, think through things. They're not rushed. They're not flustered. They take it as it comes and then they wait for the dust to kind of settle a little bit before they then go in and make a decision. These individuals don't jump to snap conclusions. If they hear something, they go and investigate other perspectives before they finally land on what is going on, and then they can accurately address the problem. And so continuing with this article, it went on to say, a leader needs to have all of those skills, including de-escalating and empathizing with people, especially in these times. Now, this particular article was written in March of 2022, and that's when people were just starting to return to work and return to some sort of a routine after COVID. And so emotional intelligence really comes down to those skills and abilities and, and other characteristics. So in the world of IO psychology, we call them KSAOs, which knowledge, skills, abilities, and other characteristics. I mean, I guess IO psychology, we just, we just decided to lump everything into an other. And so we tagged on an O at the end of it. And so, you know, the, the EQ, the emotional intelligence is part of the A. So that's the abilities and the O in that whole dynamic of KSAO. And so you can't really necessarily put your finger on why the person is so effective, but they just are. Um, in the interview, you really get a feel for who the person is. They can give you really great examples of just challenging situations that they've told that they've been through. And then 
walk you through how they navigated those situations with grace and ease. And so you're listening to them tell the story and you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Wow. You, you really went through all of that and you were able to, to pull everything together and that was the outcome. And, you know, the, the person with the strong emotional intelligence is looking at you like, yeah, that's what I did. And, you know, if, if that, if that were to happen again, that's what I would do in the future. So, um, when this person is on the job, they don't really appear to be rattled by anything. They simply are who they are and they do what they do. Um, these are not the people or the leaders that you have to worry about what mood they're going to be in. They are still like a pond in the middle of the forest and they just always seem to have it together. Um, most of the time I, I'm like this, but you know, there are moments that I do let things get the best of me. And I think that that's true of every single leader. Um, usually it's my own fault. I, I kind of, you know, I may not have my, my strongest emotional intelligence moments because I haven't eaten or I have overscheduled myself. And so if you're thinking, man, I wish I, I wish I had that ability. I wish I had that emotional intelligence. And that would be the, my suggestion to, to first, um, help strengthen those areas. Don't overschedule yourself. You are in control of your schedule, whether you want to believe that or not. And then also to make sure you eat, sleep, drink water, you know, those basic Maslow things that everybody needs for survival. Um, most of the time, whenever we're not able to maintain our composure, it's some sort of thing that we did. You know, we, we overscheduled ourselves. We didn't take care of ourselves, And so doing those things can help increase your emotional intelligence, but it does take practice and then practicing again, and then more practice on top of that. Um, if you're looking for things to read in this particular area, I would recommend just about anything from Malcolm Gladwell. Shout out to Malcolm Gladwell. No, he doesn't pay me to say that. I just really, I'm inspired by his writing. And so hopefully others will be too. Um, anything you pick up by his will cover this topic and will help you to at least shape your thinking to help improve your emotional intelligence overall. Um, and, you know, if you want one of the books to start with, I would start with Outliers and then work your way around his collection from there. But if there is ever an area where leaders should be working on improving in a consistent basis, it's emotional intelligence. I mean, I've said it before, I'll say it again. It really and truly is the sweet spot for being an effective leader. So we talked about general intelligence, we talked about crystallized intelligence, talked about fluid intelligence, spent some time on emotional intelligence. And now the last one is kind of a, a catch-all. It's it's kind of just everything else. And so this is a really, really big rabbit hole that we could go down. And I do try to keep each episode to about 20 or 30 minutes. So I won't let myself go on for too much longer. But um, I think we need to talk a little bit about artificial intelligence because there's too much information that's been in the news, particularly recently, um, about AI. And so typically whenever... Um, AI comes to mind, uh, you know, in my field of higher education, there's a lot of people that are really trying to figure out how to incorporate this information into the a classroom. And so I actually decided to type a question into an AI chat program on my, on my phone. And among a lot of things, this is typically the response. The ultimate goal of AI is to create machines that can not only perform these cognitive tasks better than humans, but also achieve general intelligence, the ability to reason and learn about any stimulus in their environment. So if you haven't looked into AI, I would encourage you to do so. There's a lot of interesting things happening in this space. And I think that there is a place for us, you know, lowly humans to be able to use um, on a regular basis. You know, I, I think if you're you know, if you're a writer and you're trying to look for inspiration, you know, staring at a blinking cursor can be one of the most intimidating, frustrating, exhausting things ever. 
but having a chat to maybe give you a prompt and kind of trigger some ideas for you to then write about. And then you take that information and then the words start flowing. Cool. Use it. Um, But I do think that there's a lot about AI that we don't fully understand. And so we should make sure that we're doing our due diligence as humans to just make sure we understand it a little bit more. And there's so many movies that come to mind and you know, we just, we just won't even go there as far as that part of intelligence goes. Um, but one of the final things that I kind of wanted to talk about was Howard Gardner's theory. And so when I mentioned before about multiple intelligence, um, initially, let me just go ahead and say he has taken a little bit of criticism in his theory because there's not a lot of empirical research um, with quantitative or qualitative data to really support the theory. But there are some people that are just so good at their areas that it's really hard to dismiss. It's kind of like whenever I was talking about um, imposter syndrome, it's the same idea. There's, it's not technically in the DSM, but there's just way too much information for us to dismiss. So whenever I, I talk about each of these items, you know, take what works for you, leave what doesn't. And Gardner's theory says that there's eight different types of intelligence in total. So Um, I'm not going to go into a deep, deep dive about it, but I do want to touch base on each one of the eight. Again, keep your teams in mind, keep yourself in mind. Maybe one of these will resonate with you or the people on your team. So the first one is uh, linguistic intelligence. So these individuals are really, really good with words. They're likely a writer. Um, They just know how to find the right words to convey the right message with limited effort. Probably really good at, at public speaking because they know how to communicate the message really well with their words. Um, You've got logical and mathematical intelligence. So these people are really good with quantifying information, researching information. They can draw out a hypothesis and lay it out in a very clear and logical manner for something to be done. Um, There's spatial intelligence. So I immediately I'm thinking about architects and interior designers. They're just they're able to see the world in um, 3D. And so they know how things will fit or they'll they're going to play out with minimal effort. Um, I I am terrible at this because I have zero um, body awareness as far as how big or short something is. We had to put a um, a uh, laser at the top of the garage just to make sure that when I pulled the car into the garage, I wouldn't drive the car through the garage because I have I have terrible spatial awareness. So this is not my area at all. But for some, there's plenty of people out there that do have it. So I'm just I'm laughing at myself a little bit. Um, there's the bodily kinesthetic. Um, type of intelligence. So these people are just, they're really, really good at movement. So it could be a dancer, it could be um, an athlete, it could be, um, you know, an artist of some sort of way. And they're just, you know, yoga instructor, they're just really good in that area. Musical intelligence, pretty self-explanatory. Amazing musicians walk this planet every single day. Start with Mozart and then build your list from there. Um, interpersonal intelligence. So these individuals are just really good at connecting with other people. These are the people that whenever you're talking to them, it doesn't seem like there's anybody else alive. They know how to give their attention to you a thousand percent. And you just, you feel like you're the only one in their world. They're just really good at making those connections. And then there's intrapersonal intelligence. And these individuals, they're really, really good with themselves. They are very in tune with their likes, their dislikes. They have very strong values, very strong belief systems that kind of keep them thriving. And so they just, they know their own boundaries. They know their limitations. They know their strengths and they capitalize on those very, very well. And then our last one out of the eight is naturalistic intelligence. And so these individuals are really good with 
plants and animals and insects and weather. And they're just very in tune with nature as a whole. You know, they're very fascinated with different aspects of nature. Um, I have a friend of mine, she's just really, really good in this area. And there are times that I will take a picture of a a tree that I just think is really pretty or a flower that's really pretty. And I'm like, what is this? And she's like, oh, that's a da 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 And it, you know, it comes from this in this region. And it's just amazing. So think about each of these different eight things, you know, depending upon the industry you're in, you may not get to see all of this play out all of the time, but these are really great questions to ask your team. You know, what is it that they do outside of work? You know, maybe you have a person with very strong naturalistic intelligence on your team, and that can be a very unique perspective for, you know, different decisions that your team is making and things like that. So just take some time to consider it. And, um, you know, hopefully this can be kind of a jumping point for you to get to know your team a little bit more. And you'll see you'll see these different types of intelligence um, flourish within your team. So but you as the team leader have to be the one to try to draw this out of them. You know, do they like to, you know, play drums on the weekend? Um, are they really into their yoga class? How's that book coming along? These can be really great ways for you to connect with your team and to um, really to really see them as, as a person. And I don't mean that condescendingly. I think too, time, too many times we get so wrapped up in the to-do list we forget that there's a human behind the list. So my point overall, and I hope that you you hear my heart whenever I say this, is that intelligence is not a single box. There are a lot of layers to intelligence, and we all have gifts and abilities. And as the leader, you should take the time to examine not only your own gifts and abilities, but also those from your team. You know, you might be able to see that, you know, Jan has really great interpersonal communication skills, but maybe she's really good in other areas as well. And the more you get to know her, the more you'll be able to understand her more, re, you know, um, holistically as a person than you do in your Monday through Friday, eight to five. Um, and the more that you can get to know people, the more you can learn, understand how to encourage and support them. And you won't be able to do that until you get to know them on a deeper level. So ultimately, what's my abstract summary? It's just time to, that we shift a little bit in how we view intelligence. It's time that we shift how we think about, you know, smart or capable individuals on our team and in the workplace. Heck, it's time that we shift how we view intelligence with ourselves. No, you may not be the best with analytical data, but, you know, you might be a leader that's really good with people. And, you know, that one person on your team may not be really good with interpersonal connection, but man, if they know how to find information, formulate a hypothesis, and then lay that information out to the rest of the team, that might be all that they need to do. Maybe they don't need to, to come up with the solutions, but if they can do all of that other stuff, I mean, wow. And, you know, we as leaders, we don't have to force our leadership style to be one way or the other. Simply being who we are, where we are currently are, is leadership enough. And leaders just know how to show up. And quite frankly, that is where the first step of your leadership story really and truly begins. So if you like what you heard, hit the subscribe button again to receive new content. Again, you can find this information wherever you're listening to the sound of my voice. Feel free to share this information with another person in your circle who wants to improve in their leadership. Um, take a screenshot, tag me in the screenshot. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter with the information in the show notes. I do try to post positive and consistent content related to leadership so you can add this information to your tool belt. And remember, you are made to be a leader right where you are, wherever you are leading. 
This podcast can help you level the field of challenges you face while walking the journey of leadership. Take care of yourself. Take care of your team. You can 1000% do this. And until next time.